This is Nursing in America. Each week, we speak with incredible Filipino nurses who have taken the leap to start a new life in the United States. If you're thinking about doing the same, then this is the place you'll find all the insider knowledge and inspirational success stories to realize your own American dream. So let's get started. I want to welcome Brian and Marvin today. They are our guests. And then we also have Jean joining us. And Jean um, is going to be chiming in um, and joining the conversation. So let's get started. So many of you spend so many months, years, hours um, worrying about your, your getting to America, uh, worrying about the NCLEX, the IELTS, the immigration, all the delays that have happened and you have to have a lot of patience. It can be very frustrating, very make you feel very despondent, but very few Leforans actually think or worry about what happens when you get to America. And as Brian and Marvin and Jean will tell you, there are a lot of wonderful things that will happen when you get here, but there also are some challenges. So the purpose of the Lafora talk show is to, to help you, is to serve you, so that you can hear from other Leforans that have gone through this experience and you can get and you can be prepared. Um, I think especially right now at this time of COVID-19, a lot of people are feeling very um, exhausted, both emotionally and physically exhausted. There's a lot of challenges. Um, and the Lafora talk show is intended to spread some light uh, and to uplift you and to give you knowledge because knowledge is power. I'm a, I'm a big follower of Oprah and Oprah says, surround yourself with people who lift you up. So today, Marvin, Brian and Jean are going to be lifting you up. <laughs> okay. Hopefully we can. <laughs> Sorry. What do you say, Hopefully Jean? Hopefully we can. <laughs> yes. So let's get started. Marvin and Brian is, are going to be sharing their stories today. <laughs> I love your background, Marvin. Yeah, it's like the Philippines, like with the, with ah, the background I love and it. The, the red one. So it, it represents the flag. So I'm still a Filipino wherever I go. So I'm so, Absolutely. I'm very proud and I can so relate. I came to America 20 on the 4th of July. I always oh, thought wow. it was very significant on, on, on Independence Day. I came to America, but and I came from South Africa, and I always have South African heart, so I can relate. Um, so let's let's start with the first question, Marvin and Brian. Maybe Marvin, you can start us off and tell us about your journey. Tell us about the journey of coming to the U.S. What that was like for you? How long it took you? What your experience was like until you got to the U.S. Okay, so um, hi to all the foreign family. Wherever you are in the world, hi, marhaba to all those Middle East nurses. umaga. Uh, so again, my name is Marvin. So um, I was born and raised in Samuanga City. So, um, so I've been a year. I've been I've been a nurse for like 15 years, and my expertise includes emergency trauma, and also I'm a midwife in the Philippines. I also did some clinical instructor there. Um, so. I passed my local boards 2005, the year after I passed my NCLEX. So with my agency, 
I was promised that I'll be in America within that year because like visas were just given out like hotcakes. But then the unfortunate happened, retrogression. So we were like doom. And then all we thought that retrogression will be lifted the following year, but not. And then the next year, the next year, the next year, I was frustrated and it went up to eight long years. So with that eight long years, I did some odd jobs. So I was um, doing clinical instructor with no clinical experience. So having that, I I did some volunteer work um, after my clinical instructor job. And then I did some contractual jobs, but I felt the pressure of of not providing enough to my family. So I felt the need like, yeah, I know retrogression will be longer. So I was praying that one day it will be lifted, but it pushed me to go to the Middle East. So I worked in the Middle East for two years and I used that experience to to adapt myself with the US. I was very fortunate about my Middle East experience because like we were dealing with um, American trained doctors, most of them are from New York, most of them are from California, and then they're very inspiring. So with those eight long years, I know it's very, very long, 2014 when I received my visa, it was a glorifying moment. It was like, oh my God, my dream starts to unfold. So I was interviewed in Abu Dhabi, I was well prepared, went home, I resigned, went home and spent Christmas, and I was like, very high and I was expecting a lot because like my American dream starts to unfold and then right now I'm here so I told myself that I was very very thankful that I was able to use my time well spending time with my family but to be honest with you those eight long years of retrogression several retrogression was very very frustrating I almost gave up and then I told myself, eh, let me go to UK, or let me go to Europe, let me go to, oh, or stay in the Middle East. But again, I was like focusing myself to fulfill my American dream. So that was my journey. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that, Marvin. Very, I think that's a story that many Laforans can re- can relate to yes. because it takes such, it's taken such a long time. There have been so many obstacles and barriers, and you probably just never, ever thought you would get here. Yes, exactly. So I never thought, yeah. but I was very, I mean, I was very prayerful. I was responsive to my agency. I keep asking questions and then I was trying to do some timelines. I enjoyed those. I mean, I enjoyed the process, although it takes very, very long time. But as what my parents were said, um, good things are, um, good things will happen for those who wait. So I was patiently waiting and here I am enjoying, enjoying the perks of it. Okay. Patience. Patience yeah. is the answer. Brian, what about you? Can you share your story with everybody? I think my story is kind of like the same with, with Sir Marvin here because he gra- you graduated in 2005, I graduated in 2006. But the thing is that with my case, I think it's worse because in 2006, I think most of you guys will remember, we had the leakage issue back then. So I have to take the local board exams twice. So oh on the same year... Yeah, on the same year, I took the board exam in June, passed it in August, then have to retake it on October, then I have to take the NCLEX on December. So that 2006 was one hell of a ride for all of us. And then 2007, 2008, I think the 9-11 thing happened, so the retrogression happened. So it's kind of like I, I waited from 2006 being a USRN, and then I, I, my visa was granted 2019. 
Wow. wow. That was way, too long. Because <laughs> I, I just got here in the States last year. So while waiting oh. for those moments, just like Sir Marvin, I did some odd jobs as well. So I went into call center. I went to teach nursing without experience as well. Because <laughs> we, we got no choice. So you yeah, exactly. have to make ends meet. Because um, there were so many nursing graduates, because most of the nursing graduates back then, the, the, the purpose of which is to go to the state. <laughs> then again, the door closed. So we got, we got backlogged. So there were so many supplies, but not much demand. And I don't want to do into volunteer job and so on and so forth. So just like what Sir Marvin did, I did clinical instructorship. I did review lecture without, <laughs> without experience as well. And then in 2015, UK opened. UK and Ireland opened. So with, what I remember is that I applied for Ireland in 2015, August. And I was able to get there in November. So August and October, just four months. Four months processing to UK. It was really, really fast. That was cool. And that was by the time I was waiting because I, I thought that going here in the States would not be possible for me anymore. So, so I, did, uh, I did work in Ireland for, I think, roughly less than three years. Now, in 2019, my agency uh, surprisingly uh, contacted me again through email because, of course, my, my phone number would be different now. I was in Ireland. So he, she contacted me through email and said, Brian, your papers are now moving forward. So imagine that was um, from 2006 to 2019. I was really surprised that they're still in touch wow. with me. So, uh, so I went forward. Well, half-heartedly, I went forward because I was really happy in Ireland that time. I, I, I thought I, I won't go to U.S. But then again, I, would, I don't want to tell myself regretfully saying what if I did what if I did go to the US and what if life would be different there so I just jumped ship because I already have a life in Ireland but I have to make a decision because I'm already there I, my papers are already there I just have to say yes sign some papers pay some fees and all so I did so here I am <laughs> to 20. it was hard it was difficult it was tough I started out without experience but then again I think most of the people back home Mm -hmm. uh, in my situation, until yes. now, they don't have some experiences. And, and I was asking in the Florida, what happened to those people who don't have experience, but they graduated, they are licensed, and all, but they don't have experience. Is it possible for them to get here? And I was gathering some information. And yes, they could. They could go here. They could work here without experience. Of course, they have to pull a lot of strings. They have to be more resourceful than anyone else. But hey, that's how it is I mean you know you want a good life you have to work I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far if you know a friend or colleague who would benefit from listening to this conversation please let them know about the show we want to help as many nurses as we can turn their dreams into a reality if you're thinking about making the step to living and working as a nurse in the USA we can help you head over to kineticsusa.com to find out more that's kinetics usa.com so both of you have had that experience of working in the philippines working in other countries different countries but other countries outside of the philippines and then coming to the u.s what would you say is the biggest difference from a clinical perspective working in the u.s as opposed to brian maybe working in in ireland or marvin in um uh it, where were you in the uae or south did you say the uae or saudi yeah uae United Arab Emirates. Yeah. So what would you say were the biggest differences from a clinical perspective? Okay. 
So based from my experience in United Arab Emirates, so actually um, the technology and the processes that we have there is almost the same in a lot of degrees here in the U.S. So we followed, we follow the same STEMI protocol. We followed the same um, code stroke protocol. We have the technologies like the ISAT. We're using it there. And then when I came here to the U.S., oh, oh I've been using it. Allowry palms and all that. Their technologies are at par. And then okay. I am very much thankful and grateful for the experience because I am exposed to different um, doctors coming from different nationalities. So like American doctors, British doctors, South African doctors, Korean nurses, a lot. There were a lot of expats um, working in the medical field. So I was exposed to them. I was able to learn their culture. And now aside from that, um, some differences, but this may not be clinical. So that includes um, culture and the language. So uh, I can still remember um, when, um, when I was in Texas. So I was actually working in Texas for four years. I was assigned in Northeast Texas. Hi to, the, uh, to people in Tyler. So the difference is about the culture is that, um, especially the Southern hospitality, um, especially some words like, for example, the brain. So actually the brain is like a paper where the, the nurses will write their endorsement and all that. So one time um, the preceptor was asking, hey, where's your brain? Get it. So we thought that it was an insult, but actually it was not. So yeah, um, those are one of the differences. The second one is most, most of the things here in the U.S. is outcome driven. So it's more on like patient's outcome improves or patient really survives compared to when we work in the Philippines because of, there's less resources and also when in the Middle East, if they stop, that's it, done, class. And then lastly, here, nurses are empowered. They are great advocates. So I never expected this type of spirit um, that will bestow once you become an American nurse. Because in the Philippines and in the Middle East, we work under the supervision of the doctors and all that. Here, it's a different thing. We are working together with them. Nurses are empowered, nurses are an advocate. We can actually speak to the doctor. We speak about the patient's rights. So those are the things that I think the difference are, but the most important thing is that nurses here in the US are empowered, advocated, respected, particularly respected in a lot of ways. Um, I, can, um, I still can remember when I was in the Philippines, I was a contractual employee, no work, no pay, no PTO, no nothing like that. Um, if, if we have holidays, we don't have any work, then you won't earn anything. But here, you enjoy these benefits. I mean, nurses here are truly respected and empowered. So that's the best thing about being here. Okay, wow. Well, that, that really tells a lot because it, it's not just the clinical difference, but just the cultural difference, which can, yes. be, can be a big adjustment. Especially for a lot of, I think for a lot of Filipinos when they come in the beginning, because a lot of Filipinos typically tend to be more shy. Yeah. Right? So, um, yeah, to be honest with you, I, I have to share one funny story. Um, during my first week in Texas, so every time that I um, talk to the patient and before I leave the room, I always tell them like, hey, um, can I get you anything? Is there anything that I can do for you before I leave the room? And the patient said, oh, sir, can you get me Dr. Pepper? Dr. Pepper. So we don't have Dr. Peppers in the Philippines and in the Middle East. So I went to the secretary's desk. I was browsing all the directory looking for Pepper. Is it the first name or the last name? So I was there for about 10 minutes. And then the secretary was asking, hey, Marvin, what are you looking? And then he said, oh, I'm looking for Dr. Pepper. I said, like, 
seriously? I said, like, yeah, I was looking for Dr. Pepper. Do we have a doctor named Dr. Pepper? I said, like, go to the fridge. Oh, is she there? I said, like, oh, <laughs> no. I said, Marvin, just go there and look. And then when I opened the fridge, God damn, I was dumbfounded. And it was, like, shocking. It was Dr. Pepper drink. I said, like, oh, my God. And then I... <laughs> And then everyone was laughing. So every time that I see Dr. Pepper right now, it reminds me about, <laughs> about that incident. It always makes me smile that at least I was so, so innocent about that, thinking that I was doing it right. But, <laughs> but I was able to integrate to the community with that funny story. That is such a funny story. Oh, my God. Jean, do you have any funny stories like that where you misunderstood what somebody said when they first arrived here? I don't think I remember anything. <laughs> I don't know experience like that. <laughs> Brian, do you have any funny stories like that? The Dr. Pepper one? That's a good one. <laughs> well, no, not that one, but that, that, that one is good, yeah. But the thing is that I don't know Dr. Pepper before, before I got in here as well. And a lot of people are asking for that. I think it's more famous than Coca-Cola here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Pepper. Texas, yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Well, just to share the one funny thing is, you know, I, as I said, I come from South Africa and the weirdest thing with Dr. Pepper, I don't know why, my husband, every time he would go to a restaurant and he would order a Diet Coke, they would say, oh, a Dr. Pepper. And I'm like, it didn't even sound anything like Dr. Pepper. But to the American <laughs> ears, somehow with a South African accent, they thought he was saying Dr. Pepper. So... Sometimes we all have our Dr. Pepper stories, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's more famous uh, right yeah. here because uh, the, the company is, or I it's don't know if that's true. Yeah, yeah. the company's originated here. Yeah, so it's they're more. Yes. And Texans are very, uh, a very strong advocate of their brands. They're, yes. they're very like nationalistic with their own state, if, there's, <laughs> if you could put it that way. It's like they, they love their state so much. And yeah, they say that true. they could stand alone as their own country, <laughs> I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you located, true. Brian? Sorry? Hmm? Where are you located, Brian, right now? It's so windy in your area. Uh, I'm here in the West. Which oh, part? Okay. Mm -hmm. It's like a you know, garden behind you, Brian. Are you in Odessa? Huh? I'm here by Odessa. But oh, I'm in the rural because... area. I'm in Tyler, which is like opposite to you guys. I was in Tyler. Uh, I was one, in Tyler. One of, one of my co-nurses here work in Tyler, so I could, so I know the place. I haven't been there, but she's been telling, but she's been telling me stories about that. Yeah. So I've never oh. been to Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. A lot okay. of lot of Filipinos there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Brian, do you, tell us about your the the difference from a clinical perspective that you experience from in Philippines as opposed to Ireland as opposed to the the US. I think the clinical and the cultural thing goes hand in hand um, because I agree with, with what Sir Marvin said, with what Marvin said, that uh, nurses outside the Philippines are more empowered. Because when I was in Ireland, I remember I was calling my, my chief nurse. Uh, her name is Siobhan. So I was calling Ma'am Siobhan. And then she looked at me like livid look because she thought I was um, insulting her. Because outside the Philippines, ma'am and sir would mean that you're referring to elderly. Like in the Philippines, ma'am and sir is kind of like the usual thing. So outside the Philippines, calling someone ma'am and sir would be referring to the elderly. So they would prefer to be called by their first names. Mm -hmm. And surprisingly, even for the doctors, they don't want to be referred. When I was in Ireland, they don't want to be referred as, let's say, Dr. Smith or Dr. whatever. They want to be referred in their first name. 
or you're working with them as equals and they're not your superiors. And that's how I felt here in the States as well. Because just like what Marvin said, you're more empowered. And with that empowerment, just like what Spider-Man, Spider-Man's stepdad said, it comes with more responsibility. Because back in the Philippines, since you have a lot of superiors, you tend to move with how your superior would tell you to move. Like do this and do that. You have your task. Here in the States and maybe outside the Philippines, you're more of goal-oriented, which means that you really have to employ your nursing care plan. You assess, you diagnose, you plan, and then you evaluate because all of those are part of handover, especially if you're working in critical care and if you're taking care of your patients for a long time. They won't just, um, when they're listening to you, they would want to, to listen the story from top to bottom, and that's every time. So here you're more empowered with the sense that you are thinking separately from the doctor because you're not just taking care of them, making their lives better. You're actually helping them to go back to their pre-illness state or to go back to where they were before they were hospitalized. And that's, I guess, part of being empowered because you're thinking more here. That's why there's a lot of continuing education mandated here rather than when I was back home. Because when I was back home, I was working in one of the, of the prestigious private hospitals in, in, in Makati. <laughs> we don't have that much continuing education here. We have it every single month. It's mandatory. And it's helping us speak up to the doctors. Because when the doctor asks you some things, you could actually answer back. And that builds up their trust in you that, hey, I could actually let my patients with this nurse and what he actually says makes sense. And there will be moments wherein the doctors don't have to eyeball their patients because they rely on what you said because you have already built up your credibility that whatever you said, that you could act as their eyes and ears. You know, building that up, being empowered here takes a lot of courage and of course, you have to like it's an, it's an endless journey. So a lot of people back home, they were asking, is NCLEX hard, is IELTS hard? When you get here, NCLEX and IELTS will just be the first examination going to take. When you get here, there will be endless examination until you retire, I suppose. So you have to make sure that you are used to taking examinations. You have to make sure that, that you set your mind to learn a life, a, life, uh, a, long, a, a long deal. And then in here, we have a lot of opportunities. Because back home in the Philippines, you only have master of arts in nursing here, you have a lot of um, path goals. Like right now, I'm taking nursing informatics right now because of what the things are going on. I'm looking for a thing that could make me work at home and not just work there in the hospital. So you see, there are a lot of career pathways available for us nurses here in comparison with what we have back home. Yeah. So here you have a lot of opportunities. And Jean, I'm sure you would agree with that, right? There's just so yeah. many more opportunities here that you can experience in the U.S. than you can really anywhere in the world. Yes, I firmly agree. Uh, if you're working, especially if you're working in a critical care area in ICU, you have, uh, you need to learn, like, you need to be, you, you ready yourself that you have to learn a lot because every day the doctors uh, the doctors in the ICU trusted you and they rely on you you have to know your patients uh, patients also their conditions from like from head to toe every day so whatever your assessment is they, they will also rely on you and they will ask you everything 
Yeah. And that really takes time to be able to get used yeah. to this different way of doing things. Mm -hmm. Right. So you what will would come you... to that point. I'm sorry. And then you will oh, come yeah. to that point where in when the doctor gives out orders and because you know your patients, even the height and weight, and they're doing their computations in their head and you're doing computations inside your head, you're going to say, wait, that doesn't make, that doesn't sound right. And you could actually call them and say, um, John, can you please reconsider that order? Why? I just would want you to reconsider that because the height and the weight is like this. And then they would do the recommendation. Oh, you know what, Brian? Yeah, that makes sense. So, you, you, you know, you could call each other out respectfully because unlike yep. with my experience in my country, when you try to call the residents, when you try to call their attention. Always laughing. You know what, doctor and so and so and so, I think there's something wrong. But what's wrong with that? I mean, they get angry with you if they, if they get called up. I mean, you know, you're not compete because back home, there was, this is my own experience, okay? Back home, it's like, it's like, it's a competition. No, when you're here, it's not a competition. Your focus is your patient. So whatever is good for the patient, that is the paramount of everything that you're doing here. So if someone makes a mistake, you watch each other's backs and say, wait a minute, I think there's something that needs to be reconsidered. And they listen. Yeah. But yeah. for you to be, but for you to have that credibility that people will listen to you, you need to uplift yourself as well. Yes. So yeah. when you get here, you need to really study, read, and be empowered. So you know, just building up your credibility, it takes time. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Nursing in America. Part two will be available next week, so make sure you come back to join us then. If you enjoyed the episode. Please help us by hitting the follow button on your podcast player and leaving us a review. If you're thinking about making the step to living and working as a nurse in the USA, we can help you. Head over to kinetics.usa.com to find out more. That's kinetics.usa.com.